Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So in terms of recovery, what are your experiences, if any, with trauma-informed approaches or therapies? Are there any techniques or strategies that any of you would recommend for managing trauma responses? For, for me, I have a psychoanalytic psychotherapist. She's trauma-informed and we tend to just naturally come into inner child work and that's sort of been more the case as I've recognized more PTSD symptoms in myself and for me it's very much about listening to the needs of that inner child and responding to that and for me that a lot of that is self-soothing having grown up in an environment where I didn't feel safe and I bought a prop to show my blankie so um that's my biggest self-soothe method I still needed to sleep and I put put myself down a lot over the years about being a 30-year-old woman who needs a blanket to sleep, but through my trauma work, I've realized that actually that's okay. And my inner child needs that that self-reassurance and safety. Um, so in terms of therapy, that's been really helpful, uh, sometimes writing to my inner child as well. Um, but having having had the symptom of trauma in holding in my body, I also have to look at the mind-body connection and treat myself physically. Um so I also have fortnightly osteo and regular massage acupuncture as well in my shoulders. And I'm well, trying to sort out um, the sort of bone degeneration and the, and the jaw dislocation as well. So for me, there's both the inner child work and the, the physical treatment to keep my body physically OK. So I'm not storing more and more up. I've been having very much the same where I think initially through therapy, it was like, you know, learning about the things that happened and what was quote unquote wrong. Um, and then working on ways to get like, you know, basically the first step for me was to get medicated to make the following steps a lot easier. And a lot of it does end up being that inner child work where sometimes it'll be stream of consciousness exercises where it's just sit down, type, just whatever comes out, comes out. For me, it has been really helpful just getting it all on paper speaking to the inner child that was in me and, and kind of letting them know what happened wasn't fair. What you had to go through wasn't fair. You're all right now. You're safe now. Doing that for a long period of time was really helpful along with, you know, yoga and basically taking care of my body and stretching all of the tension and all of the stress out. I'm now at the point where I'm 
doing like abdomen vacuums because it turns out my entire core doesn't work and I was breathing backwards and I basically yeah didn't know how to breathe because that was just what my body did so I was undoing that feeling the things there were points where I would basically go to the gym go have a shower clear my hair and be like I'm going to go cry I think that's like somatic exercises or something um but like just kind of almost just hold myself and then have like my inner monologue tell my inner child you know be angry and be sad and feel all those things that you weren't allowed to feel and at first I was like this is dumb but I'm gonna do it because I feel (laughs) like it's the right thing to do and then five minutes later just just it all came out and I was just like holy fuck and then I just sort of just kept on going the feeling after that the feeling after feeling all these feelings that had been locked in for two decades there's no word to explain what that relief is like and how healing it is like this whole process has been you know working on different parts of myself so I could then also change the circles around me to have people that would then be what would feel like a healing experience for me. It's a long process, but like it does work. All the weird woo-woo things that you think like, that's dumb. Why do you need to cry? Why do you need to feel all this? Why do you need meds? All this sort of stuff. It does work. Well, it did work for me, I should say. Um, but yeah. I can relate to the, I can relate to the, this is dumb feeling <laughs> about dinner child work, but it's, it's worth it. Ah, uh, yeah. It's the, uh, it's the Bojack Horseman line, isn't it? I, I'm going for a shower now, so you can't tell I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, I am very open with my current emotions. You ask anybody, I cry at anything. But my inner child was never given that same chance. And I had to go back to them and quite literally actively think and make my body feel comfortable so I could tell that little boy, like, feel it now. If it's anger, feel it. If it's sadness, feel it. And, yeah. It's the emotional intelligence of being able to step away when you need to and just take time for yourself and say, look, just give me some time to deal with what I need to deal with Mm. and then I'll come back either the person you know I am or a better person. And that's the key. It's that, it's that, It's that knowing when you need to take that step away. And I think that's the key thing is just sort of taking time for yourself. Don't be ashamed to take time for yourself to deal mm. with things. Because, you know, if, if you're having to apologize for taking yourself away to make yourself a better person, then, <laughs> you know, that's not the right crowd or the right person to be with. I know for, for me, I have tried almost every trauma treatment under the sun. Um, internal family systems, you know, all the things. Uh, just every therapy, really. Um, it wasn't for me until I did prolonged exposure with my DBT therapist that I was able to, like, finally find some recovery from my trauma and, like, really process these things because it made me talk about it but also really focus on how I felt, how I feel in my body when I talk about these things, like how I might have felt in my body at that time when I was experiencing it. Um And like what I learned from these experiences, what they have meant to me. Um, So prolonged exposure therapy is a a treatment in which essentially what you're doing is exposing yourself to trauma cues 
repeatedly. So what that looks like is, and I see your face, Rob, the reason we do it is because (laughs) most of us who experience trauma, um, the thing that most maintains our traumatic responses is avoidance of trauma cues. So a lot of people, when they've experienced trauma, don't ever want to talk about it. can't talk about it. It's too painful. Or I'm going to avoid listening to that song or seeing that movie or whatever. I'm not going to even think about it because it's going to make me too upset. And so the idea with prolonged exposure, it's I tell my clients, like, it's it's a pretty, like, no, it's not a very fancy therapy. It's very much like, okay, you just tell the story. You um, experience the emotions from telling the story. And for me, it was really helpful because the, the, the trauma memory that I was discussing with my therapist was something that I had never really told anybody because it was so shameful for me that I was like, I can't ever talk about this. I can't think about it. Um, and so having to tell, go into session week after week and tell the story over and over again, and then listen to recordings where I told the story over and over again, it sounds absolutely nuts and like absolutely brutal, but it was the only way that for me, that I could truly experience the emotions that were laden into that event. Cause especially for me, the, the trauma that I experienced was something that, like I said, actually the, the traumatic part was my family's response to it. Um, and there was so much just like wrapped up into that, that I couldn't get to with other treatments. I really needed to just like experience it and have somebody there who's able to be like, yeah, that's really messed up, (laughs) you know? Cause I had this self-invalidating voice that was like, oh, it's not, you know, I'm making a big deal or whatever. My therapist was like, oh my, like even seeing my therapist crying after telling the story, like, I'll never forget that. Cause it was like wow, this, this really happened and this hurt. So my feeling at the start when you said it, and I was just like, that sounds crazy. But then I, <laughs> after you explained it, I was yeah. like, oh no, that's worked for me before. Yeah, whenever I orient clients to it and I first start explaining it, I'm like, okay, stick with me because I know this is going to sound absolutely bonkers and you're not going to want to <laughs> do it. But for it works. <laughs> yeah. It ha- <laughs> yeah, so I did, I did prolonged exposure as well. And uh, it came off the heels of finishing dialectical behavior therapy and getting a lot of sort of abilities to kind of regulate my emotions in the moment. And it's interesting because the reason why I did prolonged exposure was because I've developed this. It's almost like a trauma response, but not to a specific incident or it was more like a concept. I developed this intense phobia of my own emotions. So there are a lot of situations that I didn't want to go through. I didn't want to process because I just didn't want to go to the, to the emotional place. And I realized that I dissociate a lot in response to emotionally intense situations, not because they cue anything specific, but because I'm terrified of feeling emotions that I believe will make me weak. And so for me, doing prolonged exposure was really about learning and relearning that my emotions are not going to kill me, that I can feel them and be okay on the other side. Before I would talk about it, I'd be so terrified and I'd start dissociating and I wouldn't want to do it. But then afterwards I had done it. So it was already in the past. I didn't need to be afraid of it anymore. And that really helped to to let go of the fear. And, and it, you know, it's not like I only had to do it one time. I had to go through it a bunch. But now I think I am more sort of generally trying to practice an exposure-based lifestyle where 
instead of running from emotions or situations that are going to bring up negative emotions, trying to find ways to manage them more effectively because I don't, I don't need to make this response turn into something who doesn't want to experience anything or do anything because I'm afraid of feeling sad. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny in the way that it works with DBT because DBT, you know, stage one is like, let's learn all these skills so you can manage your emotions because, you know, you experience your emotions that's really out of control. And then when you go into trauma treatment, it's like, okay, I don't want you to manage your emotions. I just want you to feel them. Right. Mm. Cause like I was saying before, a lot of us with BPD have this way of like sort of, experiencing our emotions without experiencing it and so like the way we approach in a prolonged exposure is like finding a way to really because because the idea too is that we want to find a way to experience emotions where they don't get so out of control and we don't want to dissociate and numb them either it's like learning how to find that middle path where you can experience your emotions and like you said come out the other side Does anyone have any techniques that you use when you are out and about or even at home to help you regulate when something sort of brings up that past trauma? You know, something I'll do is I'll always carry headphones around with me. And for example, if there's a song or something that's something on, I will put them in and just block that out. Um, That sound, that, you know, song or whatever. Or if there's a conversation happening that I could get involved in, I really want to but I'm like, this is going to be really uncomfortable for everyone else in this conversation. I'll step away. Um, and I think it's just knowing those moments to sort of step in and step out of moments um, and take yourself out. Unfortunately, in society, I think we can sort of, we can take those moments where we can, in groups of people or whatever, we can move away. It's harder when it's just two of you. But I think if there are groups of you or whatever, you can just say, I'm just going to go to the bathroom or whatever like that. The main thing that I still experience um is emotional what we call emotional flashbacks where it's not necessarily like i'm reliving the moment like seeing what's happening feel like i'm experiencing the same thing it's essentially like i'm experiencing the same emotions that i felt Mm. in that same moment Mm. so i'm like back in the same moment emotionally but not like reliving oh i'm back at the scene of the 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 incident sort of thing Um, so for me like a huge emotional flashback is shame i will get like these just overwhelming like surges of shame where it's like I I feel like my brain just goes into almost like pre-verbal mode where I'm just like I don't have words can't explain what I'm experiencing I just know it feels bad um and so for me like a lot of self-validation and just gentleness has been super huge um because I'll speak for myself like I tend to be somebody who can really, I'm, I'm so empathetic with my clients when they're experiencing these things. And when it comes to me, I'm like, I need to go over this. What's wrong with me, you know? And so I'm trying to learn uh, always how to really approach my emotions with the same gentleness that I would approach my child's or my clients or whatever, just really approaching it with this like loving kindness. Um, I think that tends to make whatever trauma symptoms come up for me so much easier to cope with. Yeah, so for me, it's quite interesting because I've never had any therapy at all to do with trauma, Um, partly down to a little bit of that suspicion and skepticism around professionals, but also just because I've never really seemed to meet any kind of threshold for professional help, which has made it quite difficult to find strategies that are useful. So it's definitely been a lot of trial and error. So 
previously I did not deal really with trauma very well so I think Lena you mentioned you know like laughing about it like finding it funny not because it's actually funny but because it's actually quite awkward and Zanny a lot of my behavior was also associated with risk taking so it sort of became like a funny anecdote to share with people and over time you realize actually it's not funny at all it's quite serious and something that impacted on you quite a lot and I think I also maybe use trauma as a little bit of a shock factor so I would share trauma just to see what people's reaction to it was like am I going to push this person away with stories of trauma and as I've got older I've realized that that's not healthy at all and in terms of not really having any professional support in dealing with trauma I have tried to manage it as best as I can myself so for a long time I thought actually I don't really need to deal with trauma because I have such a problem with flat affect as part of the schizotypal personality disorder that I thought that you know like my trauma isn't inconveniencing anyone else I'm not having emotional responses to it it's not impacting on other people or making them feel awkward so actually it's fine and really it wasn't because I wasn't dealing with the root cause so what I've tried to do is a little bit of exposure therapy of my own in a very small step so whereas before I would completely avoid anything at all to do with trauma that might bring back memories or be quite triggering I have started to take small steps to exposing myself to certain triggers seeing what my reaction to that is if it's too much then you know leaving it there not going any further with it but actually if it's a feeling that I can sit with then I will try and expose myself to more things that might be triggering so even for example you know reading a news report on something that might be triggering that I wouldn't have been able to do six twelve months ago for me it's all about small steps but also knowing what my boundaries are and what I am and what I am not comfortable with and knowing where to start because without professional help I imagine it's probably quite easy to push yourself too much into territory where it's going to be quite damaging. Mm. Katya your story sort of brings me to a thinking about how everybody's process is different and somehow somehow a lot of us do the same thing <laughs> without actually going the same route mm. which I think is really it's kind of cool. You know, you're the only person who can judge what is a trauma to you. Fundamentally, it's it's only you that can judge how you deal with it. Yeah, it's it's an individual experience for everyone, and you know, I think it's important that you listen to your body and and don't feel ashamed or don't feel embarrassed by the way you do it. If it keeps you going, if if it keeps you on that curve, then just go with it. Mm.